Good morning. Feels like I haven't been with you in a while. I know it was only one week, but it feels like an eternity. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of recap before we get started with our scripture this morning, in part because I need to remember where we are. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but I need a reminder often. So um, as we enter into this week uh, of this, this third week of Job, and we'll have one more week of Job next week, um, but this week we'll be looking, we want to look back for just a moment and remember uh, how Job had lost everything. He had lost all of his property, all of his servants, all of his children, and then finally he even lost his health. And as a result, that first week, if you remember back, um, we watched as Job, patient but sorrow-filled, is comforted by his friends in his time of grief. Uh, and then the second week, last well not last week, the week before last, um, we saw Job as he lamented to God and complained to God. And we talked about how it's, it's okay to be upset with God and angry sometimes, uh, but that how God can still hold us in the midst of all of that. Um, so we, we talked about Job and his friends comforting him in grief. Then we talked about Job, Job complaining to God. Uh, and then this week we get to see and listen in on God's response back to Job. Now I, I like this response because in some ways it feels so real and, and it's kind of like how I imagine a parent talking to a child. Um, and so you, you'll see what I mean as we start reading. But this comes from Job chapter 38, verses 1 through 7, and then 34 through 41. Hear now these words from Job, from God to Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, and I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations to the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. Who determined the earth's, and is, who determined the earth's measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line out upon it? On what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the flood waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so that, you may, so that they may go and say, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds or can tilt the water skins of heaven when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together? Job, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie and wait in their culvert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Theologian John Swinton tells a story of a phone call that he received at 6 a.m. one morning from a neighbor of his named George. Swinton answered the phone to hear a whisper. She's gone. Who's gone, and, and what do you mean she's gone? George replied, Gemma, she's, she's dead. She was walking home after skating with her friends, and she just dropped dead. She was only 11. Why did, why did this happen? Why has God taken my Gemma? Why? Sitting up, all he could think was, what am I supposed to say to this man, my friend, who has had the heart of his life ripped out in an instant? Swinton stated that the doctors had no idea why she had died suddenly, and that as a result, he as a friend and as a theologian would be looked to for the answer. Was this punishment on my family? Was this a test of faith? Was it some grand purpose that they couldn't see? Or was it just a meaningless incident? But the greatest question was, how could an all-loving, all-powerful God allow this to happen? This is without a doubt the biggest and most sought-after question in faith and philosophy. It is a question that at some point almost every person struggles with, and a question that leaves most of us looking like a deer in headlights, staring back at the other person wondering, what am I supposed to do with this? When I was in seminary, I remember this question always being in the back of my mind. I wasn't Sure, but I, I, I was sure that at some point, this, it had to have been taught. This is such an important question. They ha there had to be like a seminar or a class where they sat us around and said, okay, listen, at some point somebody's going to ask you why bad things happen to good people, why God would let this happen. Here's how you respond. I was sure that there was going to be some kind of class on this. And so I waited and waited and finally, after four years, I had a class that was going to talk about theodicy. Now, you probably don't need to know this, but maybe you do. Theodicy is a big word that basically means the attempt to answer the question, why does evil exist if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-loving? So would you like to know what I learned in that class? What I learned were that there are two common ways that Christians often answer this question, and you may have heard them. The first is that, well, you know, evil is necessary for human development. We can't know joy if we haven't known sorrow. We cannot know mercy if we have not felt tragedy. Essentially, bad things happen so that we either become stronger or better people. In essence, our suffering has to be for some greater purpose. So that was one take. And while that may be true, it also sometimes feels rather unfair. For example, 
Did 8 million people, 8 million Jews have to die in the Holocaust to make everyone else stronger? Because that doesn't seem very fair. The second and probably the most common answer that we hear when we're asked about sin is, well, we have free, or sorry, when we're asked about evil is that it's a result of sin. We have free will, so sin, so when we sin, bad things happen as a result, and so it's either because we've done something wrong or we're being punished. Again, there are many times that sin, our sin, can hurt other people and vice versa. But in the case of Gemma, Gemma, she died suddenly. No one did it to her. She wasn't hit by a a drunk driver or poisoned by lead. She just died with no explanation. And so it's hard to believe that a God of grace would kill her as punishment for her or her family's sin. And then what do you do with infants and young children who are diagnosed with cancer? What sin could they have possibly committed that needed punishment? And so the answer, to the answer to the question, how could an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God allow evil to happen is certainly not one, an answer that was easily taught in school. But maybe this morning through reading Job, we can find at least some answer to how to deal with this question. Over the last two weeks, we saw how Job lost everything. All of his wealth, all of his servants, all of his children, even his health. And his initial response was patient faithfulness. Then Job, confident that he was innocent and angry at God, cries out and lament for the injustice that he's suffering. Why are all these evil things happening to me when I am a righteous an upstanding man. I have done nothing to deserve this, God. And so now we hear God's answer. And God says to Job, Job, were you there when I created the earth? Who decided its size? Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was the foundation poured? Who set the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted in praise, who took charge of the oceans, Job? All of that was me. What God seems to be saying to Job and his answer to why these bad things are happening to him is simply, Job, I am God, and you are not. And you cannot understand my reasoning. I think the truly, truly the only way that we can answer the question of how can an all-loving, all-powerful God allow evil things to happen is to honestly say, we don't know. The truth is that we are not God. And we cannot understand the ways and the plans of God. And since we're incapable of knowing the completeness of God's wisdom, it is likely that the best way 
to move forward with that answer, with that question, is to instead faithfully address the effects of evil and suffering. I remember a number of years ago, um, there was an earthquake in Haiti. Do you all remember that? It was a pretty big thing that happened. Um, I'm pretty sure they're still recovering it from it down there. I think it was over 10 years ago. Um, but it was a while ago. Uh, destroyed much of the country of Haiti, killed thousands of people, and there was a lot of speculation around that time of why this had happened. What was the purpose of these disaster, of that devastating disaster? And I remember one pastor, and I don't know, I can't remember who it was, um, but his statement was, well, you see, many, many, many years ago, the Haitian people made a deal with the devil and this was God's punishment for them making a deal with the devil. I remember thinking that's a really bizarre way to look at what had happened. But then I remember another pastor once stating in response to that, it doesn't matter why it happened. What matters is how we as Christians faithfully respond. To go back to that question and to kind of touch back with the scripture as well, how can an all-loving God allow this evil to happen? When the answer that we're given is merely that we just cannot understand, that leaves us wanting, and maybe even leaves us a little hopeless. But I think the thing about this scripture in Job that we read this morning is that there's a great deal of hope in that scripture. Did you see where the hope was? It wasn't in a word or in a phrase. The hope was in the fact that God showed up. God spent the whole message this morning answering Job. And no, it wasn't the answer that Job wanted, but God was there. Do you realize how big that is? God didn't have to be there. God didn't owe Job an explanation. But nevertheless, God came to Job. This incredible, powerful, infinite God who is beyond our understanding cares about you and cares about me. He knows each and every one of us intimately. Desires to be present with us even when, we, when the questions are difficult. Even when we have complaints. Even when we're angry. God is present with us. The grace that is revealed in this story is the fact that God didn't owe Job anything. Because God is God, and Job and you and I are insignificant. And yet, 
God shows up in our lives even though we don't deserve it. It's what one pastor, Louis Giglio, once stated. It's a significant insignificance. The fact that we are so small and so undeserving and yet God finds each and every one of us so special. Not having a definitive answer to why bad things may feel troubling. But the grace is that regardless of our complaint or our anger, God is here. I love the Anne Lamont quote about hope, which I'll censor a little bit. Hope is not about proving anything. It's about choosing to believe this one thing. That love is bigger than any grim, bleak crap that anyone can throw at us. See, God's love is bigger than any grim, bleak crap that can be thrown at us. We may never know the answer to why evil things happen when there is a loving God. But we can take hope that no matter what struggles or what evil that we face in our life, that God is with us. And that God's love is always bigger than the evil and the pain in our lives. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Gracious and all-loving God, We are so tiny and so insignificant. We fail so often to understand and to see your ways. But help us to trust in your never-ending love. Help us to trust that no matter what we face, no matter what struggles fall before us, that you are always there and that your love is always stronger. And so, gracious Father, for all those who are around us who are in need of your care this day, those who are struggling with sickness and illness, with poverty and hunger, with depression and mental illness, for those who are fighting in places of war and conflict, may they find peace. For all those whom we care about who are in need of your care, may they find your presence. May they find your healing. And Lord, bless us that we may be a shining light of your love to those around us. 
that when evil and pain and suffering are present in the world around us, rather than just asking why, help us to respond faithfully, giving hope to the hopeless and love to those who feel abandoned. We ask all this in your Son's name. Amen.